When we stray, God is always faithful to return us, and he's got a specific way of doing so. You see it often, especially in the minor prophets. We'll spend some time in Haggai today on Graceful Truth with our teacher and pastor, Steve Converse. Join us. Welcome once again to Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse from Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. Over the past couple of three Sundays, we've been spending time in the minor prophet Haggai. We're in chapter 1, looking at verses 1 through 15 today. Now, if you were with us last week, you'll remember the rebuke for procrastination. You see, that was the problem. The people of Israel were procrastinating when it came to building God's house, sanctification, glorifying God in all we do. It brought about a poverty in their own lives, a physical and spiritual one. And as we pick up today, we take a look at this reaping of poverty, also the reasons for poverty, and the remedy, which is very important, renewal of purpose as well. Please join us for today's broadcast of Graceful Truth. Here's Pastor Steve Converse. And the third thing he wanted to let them know, remember their hostile neighbors, the Samaritans. The situation was this. The Jews wanted to build the temple. They started to build the temple, laid down the foundation. The Samaritans caused a problem. They ran to the king, and the king didn't even decree that they couldn't continue to build the temple. That never happened. What happened? These Jews who were building the temple, they just got nervous. And because the Samaritans raised a little problem there, you can read about it in the Old Testament, that they just quit. They just gave up at the slightest little opposition in their way. Because they were already downtrodden. They were worn out from being in captivity. They'd been without a temple. They didn't really care whether they had a temple. They were hopeless. They had a misunderstanding of God's prophecies. And then so as soon as the Samaritans came along and said, you know, we're going to cause problems for you if you don't let us build, help you build the temple. And what they do? Oh, fine, we're not going to build it at all. For 16 years, nothing was done to the temple because of this little group that raised some opposition. Let us not do that today. Let us not have that attitude. Beloved, I tell you this morning, our God is as great as he has ever been. Our God can do as much as he has ever done. Don't fall into this prophetic misunderstanding. Don't be preoccupied with all the materialistic things that we have in our lives today. Because when we get to that point, when we reach that, it's a tragedy. And that's what we see here. That these people got into such a state. They got into such a mental state And look at what it says in verse 2. I don't know if you noticed this or not, but it says in Haggai 1, 2, it says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, what's the next word in your Bible? These people? These people? I think it's kind of interesting that God doesn't call them my people. They were, but they definitely weren't acting like it. He said this people or these people. God gave them a rebuke for their procrastination to the point where they weren't living up to who they were supposed to be as far as God is concerned. And he has to refer to him as, yeah, this people, not my people. We need to understand that God wants to bless us as individuals, as families, as a church. Don't fall into believing the lie that, no, no, it's not the time. It's not the time. Let's just kind of put it off. Don't believe that at all. The second point I want to share with you this morning, not only did they receive a rebuke for their procrastination, but look at In verses 5 and 6, we see a reaping of poverty. 5 and 6. Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Haggai chapter 1, he says this, Consider your ways. 
Consider your ways. Take inventory. Stop and look at your own heart. Look at your own life. Don't look at your neighbor. Look at yourself. That's what he's saying. Then he says this in verse 6. You have sown much, but you've harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes, it says. The reaping of poverty is the second point in Haggai's message. They were reaping nothing but absolute poverty. And what Haggai is saying here through the Spirit of God who's speaking through him, it says, you know what? People, we're the ones who lose out. It's not God. It's not God who loses out when we're not living for him and we're not having our priorities in the right order and we're not serving him the way we should. We're the ones that lose out. Do you know that you can't rob God? You can't rob God. In the long run, we are the ones who will suffer. So what God did did was this. He began to remove all of their material blessings. He just said, okay, you got these things all mixed up. you're You're not doing what I told you to do. So I got to help you out a little bit. First of all, he hit him in the area of agriculture. He says in verse 6, you plant much, but you harvest little. You're out there planting day after day after day, but you're, you're not reaping any crops. You're doing the work. They were doing the work. They knew how to farm, but they weren't harvesting anything. Secondly, he hit their economy and he hit it hard. And if that doesn't speak to your heart today, I don't know what will. The economy in their day, we can see this in verse, from this verse, verse 6, it couldn't meet the individual people's needs. It was just, it was just out of whack. I heard a guy the other day, somebody said, how's, how's the job going? Whatever. He's eh, whatever, you know, and they were going through some union battles back and forth. And he said, yeah, it's getting to the point where, you know what? My take home pay doesn't even take me home. <laughs> Can't even afford the gas to get home from work. See, that happened in that day as well. But the result, the reason it happened was God robbed them of all that they had. Finally, inflation took over, and it was so much that money that they even had to put in their pockets, it was as if they had holes in their pockets, and it just fell out into the streets. I mean, if that doesn't describe our economy today, people are working hard, but they're, they're unable to make the ends meet. Why did this happen? It was from the hand of God. This wasn't just some fluke thing. It was directly from God's hand. God did it. See, and that's what God does when... When men and women turn away from him, that's what happens. There are certain things that come into their lives and usually are and can be, not because it's just a coincidence, but because they've turned their back on God. They've turned their back on Christ. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, in a couple different verses in Leviticus in the Old Testament, chapter 26 and verse 18, let me just read this for you. Leviticus 26, verse 18, it says, and if in spite of this, you will not listen to me, this is God speaking. Then I will discipline you again sevenfold for your sins. And I will break the pride of your power. And I will make your heavens like iron and your earth like bronze. And the strength, and your strength shall be spent in vain. Excuse me. For your land shall not yield its increase. And the trees of the land shall not yield their fruit. God prophesied what was going to happen before it even happened if they disobeyed him. In Deuteronomy 28, verse 38, it says, You shall carry much seed into the field and gather little, for the locust shall consume it. You shall plant vineyards and dress them, but you shall neither drink of the wine nor gather the grapes, for the worms shall eat them. You shall have olive trees throughout all of your territory, but you shall not anoint yourself with oil, for your olives shall drop off. See, there is a law in God's word speaking as far as law of the harvest, 
What you sow is what? What you reap, right? You see that in the Old Testament over and over again. There's another law of the harvest, and it's this. If you sow something in an unworthy manner, you're never going to reap anything. That's part of the deal. And that's what was happening here. A lot of times, think of it in modern day vernacular, just our spirituality today. A lot of gospel preaching is going on all over the world. There's really an explosion of gospel being preached in our world, in the Western world, all over the world. But there's very little being sown from that. And that means there's something wrong. There's something wrong there. Thirdly, look at the reason for their poverty. The reason for their poverty. And this is rather clear. The rebuke of their procrastination, the reaping of the poverty, and then the reason for their poverty. It says in verse 9, You looked for much, and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. This is God speaking. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies himself with his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you have withheld the dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. And I have called for a drought on the land and the hills, on the grain and the new wine and the oil, and what the ground brings forth on man and beast and on all their labors. The reason for their poverty was simple. God. It was God by his own design. Verse 10, he held back the rain. And you know, over there in that area, if you don't have rain, if you don't have water, you're not going to have crops. And because he held back the rain, the crops failed, verse 11. And God was saying this in verse 9. If you don't take as much care over my house as you do your own house, you better watch out because I'm going to blow it all away. You're not going to have your prosperity. You're not going to have your luxury. All your pleasure is all going to be gone. And God intervened in the life of Judah, and there was this economic disaster. The people couldn't till the fields any longer. They toiled in the fields night after night after night, but got nothing from it, no harvest. I mean, stop and think of it. Today, even in our world, to our generation, in the spiritual sense, to the church of Jesus Christ, it still works like this. We toil, we toil, we work, we work, but we see little return. And a lot of that has to do with disobedience. A lot of that has to do with misplaced priorities. I mean, think of our own country, beloved. Just think of the United States as a country. Think of all the incredible manufacturing and education and economy that we've done so well for so long. And because we've taken our eyes off of God and off of Christ, look at where it's come, what it's come down to. I mean, these are not just coincidental things that happen. It's the law of God. See, God understands that when people turn away from him, he needs to turn their heart back. And he's willing to do whatever it takes. See, when people are in their dire need, when they're stuck in the corner and they don't have anywhere to go, that's when they're more likely to turn to Christ. He understands that. That's when they're more likely to come to God. That's when they need something bigger than just themselves to pull themselves out of the pit. C.S. Lewis said this. I think I have it on a slide there. Pain is the megaphone of God. Pain is the megaphone of God. And that is so true. There's been a financial crisis. There's been stock exchange has fallen. All this stuff is happening. There's all these procrastinators out there that, that are you know, making all these certain uh, you know, predictions and everything. But God is saying, you know what? I am still God and I'm still on the throne and you're still a puny little creature. <laughs> You're not infinite. You're not eternal. You're going to pass away and everything around you is going to pass away. But my word and my being will never pass away. And I don't want you to ever forget that. 
It says in verse 9 there in our text that they looked for much. In other words, they went out and they worked hard and they were anticipating a harvest. That speaks to their faith. They were thinking, hey, we're doing the right thing. We're putting the seed in the ground. We're doing everything right. Where is the harvest? It says they looked for much and after they sowed, they were expecting something to come back. They were looking for things to happen. But the unfortunate thing is they weren't willing to give the obedient cost to God that would necessitate the covenant that was needed there. That when you give, God will give back to you. They weren't willing to go there. See, we sow a lot. We expect a lot. That's good. But beloved, if you're not willing to give everything, we're not going to reap anything. And you know I'm not talking finances because we don't talk about that. I'm not talking finances. I'm talking about your being. I'm talking about your desire, your, your willingness to be used by God. Let's look at the fourth point. A remedy for this poverty. A remedy for this poverty. The remedy is found in verse 5. It's also found again in verse 7 and in verse 8. He says it over and over again to him. What's he say? Three words. Consider your ways. Consider your ways. Take a hard look at yourself. It comes down to one thing. See, there's, there's one reason, and it's quite easy to understand, but it's very difficult for you or I to actually implement this. But it comes down to this. All of this, all of this was happening to these people at this time because of one thing, their, their lack of obedience to God. We sang a hymn this morning. Some people, I've heard people at times say, oh, well, that's kind of a simplistic hymn. Trust and obey. But it's true. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy, to be content in Jesus, but to trust and obey. And in verse 7, God, we see here, is speaking a second time. And he says, you know what? The Lord of hosts says once again, consider your ways. Consider your ways. I mean, if God speaks once, he doesn't even have to do that once. But he did. He did it not only once, but twice and three times. See, God is speaking to certain people even here this morning. He's working in some of our lives and, and he's, he's telling us, you know what, we need to consider our ways. We need to reflect upon our priorities. We need to readjust our lives so that we can be used by God in a greater way. Are we open to God's will? And if we don't listen, beloved, if we don't listen, there's going to be dire consequences. God is not obliged to speak to us once or twice, but he does here three times. If God's speaking to your heart this morning, Maybe about personal revival in your own life. Maybe about giving everything, just giving it up to God, serving Him, seeing His Spirit being manifest in your walk daily and with those around you. I I beg you this morning, listen to that. Small voice is crying out, consider your ways. Do something about it. Repent, Christian, non-Christian, whatever it takes. Bring your sins to God. Forsake them, lay them down. He's a forgiving, loving God. Lay down those things that so easily beset us, the Bible tells us, so that we can run the race, so that we can win the prize, so we don't forfeit it in this life. What is it our blessed Lord said in Matthew 6, 33? He said, seek first the kingdom of God. And what? His righteousness. And then all these other things are going to be added on to you. I'm not saying that you go home and you sell your homes and you sell your cars and you you forsake everything. That's not what I'm saying. It's a matter of priority in the heart. That's what God is saying here. He's not begrudging them having nice houses to live in. But he's saying when your priority is so out of whack that you have a nice house and the temple of God is not built, there's something wrong. And when we have the mentality of Sunday go to meeting and, you know, that's about it for us for the week. Maybe we hop into a Bible study during the week and that kind of taps out our, our, our Christian service. There's something wrong. Read the New Testament. Read the book of Acts. We, we say we want to be a Bible-believing, biblical church. What they do in the New Testament? 
said they went house to house daily, fellowshipping, breaking bread, prayer. I mean, why is it that we have maybe one, two, three people that come to a prayer meeting on a Sunday morning before our service? Maybe we don't believe God answers prayer anymore. Maybe we've grown indifferent to the idea of, of coming and asking God to work through his word, through the worship, through our fellowship together. Maybe we just kind of have grown too lax and comfortable. Just come in, hear the message, sing the songs, go over to the fellowship hall, eat, have a little fellowship, then go home. I think God wants more from us. Fifth thing, the last thing, is the renewal of purpose. And this is important. Verses 12 to 15. Verses 12 to 15. He says, Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shiltiel, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people. You see that? All. All the remnant of the people. Who's that include? That includes young, old, boy, girl, men, women. What does it say they did? The next word says they obeyed the voice of the Lord their God. Underline that word obeyed. And it says, and they also obeyed the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message. See, that's what churches need today. They need somebody who's willing to stand up and bring God's message to God's people, not get up there and apologize and, oh, you know, hope you don't, don't want to hurt your feelings. No, we, we need bold people in pulpits today. And here's what he says. I am with you, declares the Lord. Verse 14, and the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shutiel, and governor of Judea, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant. All 50,000 of these children of Judah, all the people. And it says, and they came and they worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. There was a renewal of purpose. And the people responded to God's word. I mean, we need to respond to God's word, beloved. It's not good enough for you to come here on Sunday and hear it and listen to it politely. Not just hide it in your head, but put it in your heart. Be like Mary in the New Testament where it says that she pondered those things in her heart. And then she acted upon them. It says there in verse 13 that they obeyed the voice of the Lord. And you say, well, maybe it was easy for them. Are are you serious? You think this was easy for them? They just came out of 70 years of captivity. They had spent the last 16 years giving up on a dream of rebuilding the temple. They're basically despondent. But you know what? Maybe that's where you're at in your Christian life. Maybe you've spent a sum of your Christian life, and now you just look at yourself, you're just despondent with yourself. You just kind of, this this doesn't work. Kind of a lukewarmness has grown in, as it did over these 16 years with these people. You know, we're going to find this out, but it's interesting to me that they spent 16 years in spiritual lukewarmness. And you know how long it took for them to get back to what God had called them to do? Four weeks. Four weeks. Not four years. Not four months. Four weeks. See, don't believe the lie of the devil that you're going to have to wait till you're more spiritual. And that's going to take time. It might even take months for me to get plugged into ministry because I'm just not there yet. Don't get me wrong. Spirituality and spiritual maturity does take time. But the devil would love for you to believe that you could never participate in ministry. That you could never be part of anything. But you have to fall back on the Spirit of God and realize that He can do that through you. In just four weeks, they had begun work on this temple that they had not built for 16 years. And the reason they didn't do it is because Satan's cry was in their hearts and in their minds saying, you know what, the time isn't here yet. It's not time to go yet. God's prophecy said 70 years. The time's not up yet. Don't believe a word of that. 
My friend, if God is speaking to you today about prayer, well, the time has come to start praying. And I mean start praying now. If God has spoken to you about spreading the gospel, about evangelism, don't wait till you feel like you're able to do it or you've gone through some evangelism course. Do it now. If God is speaking to you about our need in this fellowship for prayer and for seeking God's face, the time is now. Let's face it, how long have we got? Things aren't getting any better. And when we tell non-believers who aren't saved, now is the day of salvation, today is the accepted time, don't you feel a little hypocritical when it comes to your own service and sanctified living that you say, well, I'm not comfortable with this yet, I'm going to wait another day, another year. See, they had renewed purpose here. And I don't want you to miss the fact that God told them of his assurance, first of all. Look at what it says there in verse 13. It says, the Lord says to them, I am what? With you. I am with you. He says that he was with them. Even at that moment in time, he was saying, I am with you. But he's also saying, but you've got to act. I'm here with you, but you've got to act upon my presence in your life. Or you know what? Nothing's going to happen. These rocks are not going to build themselves. This temple's not going to build itself. It's not enough just to be simply saved. I mean, it's enough to get you to heaven. Don't get me wrong. But I don't think it's enough to please God. Because you've got to be saved and act upon your salvation. The word of God says, work out your salvation day by day. We find it throughout scripture. God said these same words to Isaac and to Jacob. God said it to Moses before he was going to deliver Israel in Exodus chapter 4. He says, I am with you. God said it again to Joshua when he was going into the land of promise, into the land of Canaan. He said, I am with you, Joshua. He told Jeremiah the prophet as a little child when he called him to be a prophet to the nations. He says, Jeremiah, I am with you. He told Israel in their times of trouble through the prophet Isaiah in chapter 43. He said, I'll be with you. And even in the New Testament, we see that he told his disciples, he told them to go into all the world and preach the gospel and what he says, and I will be with you. He even said to the Apostle Paul when he went into Corinth, because Paul didn't know what was going to happen to him. He didn't know if he was going to have to give up his life. He didn't know. The Lord Jesus Christ said, Paul, I am with you. And you know what, beloved? God says to his church today, he says to his child today who is hurting, to the child who wants to do something more for God, Go and do it, because I am with you. And it says there that the Lord stirred up Zerubbabel, the Joshua, and all of the people. But it started with the leadership, who had grown indifference to obey God's voice. Someone once said, a people can only rise as high as the leadership is willing to take them. That's why a couple of weeks ago, I made kind of a clarion cry. Hey guys, I need some help. The second thing this shows me here, it's not only that he touched the hearts of the leadership, but he also... This was not just some emotional experience for them, but it was a revolutionary experience for them. It was something that lasted. It was something that that changed them. It persevered through them building the temple until it was built. And the third thing we can apply from this is that they acted upon what God had told them. They obeyed. They listened. And what this means for all of us here this morning is, you know what, there's something for us to do. I don't know what it is. I can't dictate to you how God wants to use you, but you know yourself better than anybody, and God knows you better than you know yourself. And he's gifted you in certain ways, and he expects you to use those giftings in the ministry of this local church. And as a result of them acting on it, on the 21st of December, 520 B.C., work began on the temple, and the people responded. And in a very short time, even though they had been asleep at the wheel for 16 years... 
They considered their ways. They obeyed God. They put things in order. And you know what it says? It says to all the children of God to forget about the wasted years. Don't look back. Don't say, yeah, I guess I should have been more involved and and feel good. Don't do that. Just break up the fallow ground and jump in and get busy. Because God says, I will restore the years that the locusts have eaten. See, Judah had to rethink its priorities. The temple of God today is the church of the living God. And let me ask you this question as we close. How much building is going on? How much building is going on? What is your part in it? Well, it is our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal his grace to your hearts through the teaching of his word each week. We trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m. We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade five. If you'd like to encourage us here at Graceful Truth, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. This is our phone number, 650-366. 9923. Again, that's 650-366-9923. Or you can visit us on the web at gracefultruth.org. We've got a lot of resource materials available there, more information about who we are. And if you need a map to visit us at Grace Bible Church, that's there as well. Again, gracefultruth.org. And would you please drop us an email? Let us know you paid us a visit when you stop by. Again, gracefultruth.org. Or give us a call at 650-366-9923. Again, that's 650-366-9923. We thank you for joining us today and trust we'll see you again next week at this same time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth. Graceful Truth.